Welcome to this special edition of the Cardano Development Insights Podcast for International Women's Day. I'm Ali Yu, and I'm Oli Giu. Our insights platform is where we share our ideas and expert knowledge of local financial market development in frontier and emerging markets, with a strong focus on local currency financing. After listening to today's episode, head over to our website to find out more. This podcast series will explore Cardano Development's role as a local currency financing house and how it supports its companies with fund management and incubation to transform the financial markets of frontier economies. For this episode, we are marking International Women's Day 2022 and exploring this year's theme: Break the Bias. We will look at the role of genderless investing to impact SDG 5, gender investment trends, innovative startups mobilizing capital to impact women positively, and the importance of female leadership in finance for equity in the sector. So let's look at today's key insights. Genderless investing offers investors an opportunity to positively impact SDG 5 and unlock the potential of businesses led by women. There is an exciting array of new funds in the industry that are implementing the 2x gender challenge in their investments and activities. Investing in women boosts job creation, economic development, and GDP. Female leadership and representation in development finance is important to create equity in the sector and to address any biases that may exist. So, Ali, you've been chosen by Cardano Development as our guest host for International Women's Day. And can you tell us why this day is important to you, and what it means to be a female leader in the development finance arena? Well, I've always had female role models in my life. I grew up in China, watching my mother, who was a legislator, advocating for women's rights throughout her career. And when I was in college, I had the pleasure to attend a speech from feminist icon Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and was so inspired that I read up on her story and all her cases on gender equality. And after I left school, I chose to work in development finance in the World Bank and now in TCX, and I found myself surrounded by brilliant and inspiring women from all over the world. So I think to me, International Women's Day is both a celebration and a reminder. It celebrates the progress that. We women and men who advocate for women's rights have made, and at the same time, it reminds us that the work is far from being completed, and there is still so much to do. So I feel like feminism has brought women to the table, right? And we see more and more women move confidently into male-dominated areas such as the financial sector. So now we just need to work for our fair share of representation among the leaders of the world, because equal participation and representation just play such an important role in women's empowerment to influence social change for both ourselves and the others. And you mentioned that break the bias is the theme for this year, and we're going to be speaking a lot about that with our guests still to come, but. How do you think we can address biases that might exist and and ensure more women make it to leadership positions? Well, definitely raise awareness、um, through education or through creative initiatives like this podcast of the challenges that we face in the workplace, such as gender stereotypes, gender-based inequality and discrimination, just to name a few, and then. 
change mindsets by speaking up, by preparing to react, by raising our voice so that those without a voice can be heard. And finally, just by being fiercely determined to, as Justice Ginsburg once said, keep dreams of equal citizenship alive. Thank you so much. Well, let's introduce our listeners to the lineup, the brilliant lineup of guests that we have on today's show. Hi, my name is Ahmed Bori. I'm the CEO and co-founder of the Global Impact Investing Network, or the GIN for short. Hi there. Um, so I'm Janice, Janice Katut, co-founder of Sustainable Links. Really excited to be speaking to you today. Hi, my name is Ingwel Gao, also a co-founder of uh, Sustainable Links. And thank you so much for the invitation to speak on International Women's Day, which is quite an honor. Thank you. Uh, hi, I'm Femke Smeets. I'm a partner at Total Impact Capital Europe. All right, well, let's start with Amit Bori, then CEO of The Gin. Um, Amit, can you tell us what gender lens investing is and why it's so important? Gender lens investing is a strategy or an approach to investing that takes into consideration gender-based factors across the investment process to advance gender equality and to better inform investment decisions. What that really boils down to, though, is that it is the use of investment capital to advance a more equitable world. So it could include investing in women-owned and women-led enterprises, but it can also include thinking about the role that employment plays in advancing gender equality. So investing in companies that promote workplace equity and also investing in enterprises that offer products or services that substantially improve the lives of women and girls. And and so talk to me about how gender lens investing works to boost job creation and, and economic development. Well, I think one thing that's so important is a fundamental recognition of the role that women play in the economy today. But unfortunately, when we think about who is benefiting from the economy, it is not equitable. The vast majority of the world's population who are poor um, are women. And that has huge implications for how we think about equity in the workplace, in the economy, and in the home. One thing that I think is so important is that when we think about investing in companies, this is about improving livelihoods. A stable job, a stable environment creates stability for an individual, for a household, and for a community. And so it is so important for investors to be thinking about the role that their capital plays in shaping the world that we live in. If you care about climate change and the impact that climate change has on people, it's important to recognize, of course, this is a burden that's felt by all people but not equally. The world's poor, uh, 70% of whom are women, are encumbered disproportionately due to the entrenched um, gender equality throughout society, which means that women are more vulnerable to climate change impacts, including droughts, landslides, floods, hurricanes, and beyond. And so it's so important that when we think about how we are investing in things like climate adaptation and resilience, uh, that we're also thinking about how we are fundamentally addressing gender equity or how we are not, if we're not thinking about gender lens investing. One of the things that impact investors have focused on for years is financial inclusion. Who gets access to capital? Who gets access to things like savings accounts and banking services? And if you just took a look at one part of the world, you know, in South Asia, nearly 70% of the population remains unbanked. But of that 70%, 60% of those individuals are women. So it's so important that when we think about something like financial inclusion and the role it plays in economic opportunity, that we factor in a gender lens throughout the investment process and the decision-making process 
to ensure the fact that we are actually advancing gender equity while making investments in financial inclusion. How easy is it to do that? How do you implement a gender lens in investments? Well, on the one hand, it does require um, you know, changing the way we think about investing. Um, and I wouldn't say that that's easy. But the benefit for anyone who's listening to this session is that there's actually been a whole community of people around the world who've been doing a lot of great thinking on how to do this. And there are a tremendous amount of resources um, that are available. At my organization, The Gin, you know, and you can look on our website at thegin.org, and Gin has two eyes. Um, we have a knowledge hub for gender lens investing, where we have a whole repository of information and resources that are available, uh, they're free to access, and they include things that we've developed at our organization, but also things that our partners have developed as well. And what you'll see is that while to some, this may sound absolutely obvious, but also intimidating because it's different than the normal way we think about investing, which is all about kind of financial risk and return. I hope that anyone who's passionate about this issue of advancing gender equality throughout the world, who cares about sustainable development goal five set out by the United Nations, recognizes the fact that your investments capital plays a role in either entrenching the current system with all the inequities that it has, or in advancing our progress towards a more equitable world. And are you seeing any trends for GIN members in relation to gender? Yeah, I think one thing that's really exciting and very promising um, is that we, you know, originally there was a, a community of people who are focused on gender, just like there's a community of people focused on things like financial inclusion, agriculture, clean energy, and beyond. But one of the things that we've been um, helping to advance along with many partners around the world, and why you hear the word lens in gender lens investing, is to not treat gender as something as one option, but rather to think about it as a lens you apply across um, all of your investments. So it's a way to think about investments in agriculture, in financial inclusion, in clean energy, in climate adaptation, and so on and so forth. You know, just taking one example of thinking about like the blue economy and people who are very focused on healthy oceans and marine ecosystems and the economy that they support, that has a profound impact because of the number of women um, who are involved in fisheries and seafood production and processing and related industries. So investing in things like oceans, which sounds like something that's just the realm of environmentalists thinking about nature and and healthy ecosystems, can have a profound impact on gender and and on gender equity. One thing I do want to highlight um, that can help any investor who's passionate about these issues and really wants to convert kind of good intentions into real investment strategies, we have a system that's available called Iris Plus. In Iris Plus, you can actually identify what are the strategies investors can use to advance gender equity, and then what are the actual metrics and resources that can help you measure your impact and contribution towards that goal. It has been synced up with um, an initiative coming out of the G7 called the 2X Initiative, and it is now used by many impact investors around the world, and it has helped to you know, take gender lens investing and promote it throughout the entire network. And we think that we're just at the beginning of helping to educate investors around the world about how their money can play a role in advancing a society that works for all people and works for people of all genders. Amit, in your opinion, do you believe positive bias in investments is a good thing? If investors are thinking about building a better economy, about building a better world, about investing in the future, it is important to be intentional about how you do so. Because we know that the markets as they stand today 
left to their own devices have led us to um, a world that is unsustainable from a, an environmental perspective and one that is inequitable when we think about gender or socioeconomic inequality. And so I think what's so important is that if we are to invest in a fair, inclusive and sustainable world, that we have to make that a goal for investors. And how can investors be part of the solution to drive SDG 5 in developing countries? Investors play a critical role in advancing progress towards SDG 5 on gender equality. Um, and I, don't, I want to be clear, it's not just investors, it's all of society. And I think that's what's so powerful about the SDGs is that they are systemic. And if we want to have a world that has gender equality, we have to you know, address all the issues throughout the entire um, system, whether it's the private sector, the public sector, the nonprofit and civil society, and just our culture. But I know that we cannot get there unless if we change the way that the world invests. And that's where impact investing, and in particular, gender lens investing, plays such a critical role. Because investment capital drives a lot of behavior in the economy. And if we focus investment capital on just producing financial returns without thinking about equity or sustainability, we know what that looks like. And that's the world that we have today. Why impact investing is getting so much momentum and why our network is so engaged when it comes to gender lens investing is that there are now ways that we all know that you can actually address financial uh, opportunity um, and financial progress and get good financial returns while advancing gender equity. Let's bring in Janice Kutout and Ingwal Kao now, co-founders of Sustainable Links. Janice and Ingwal, you are both on an exciting journey setting up a new company, Sustainable Links. Can you tell us why this mission is close to your heart? We're creating a platform called Sustainable Links because we see the opportunity to link global capital to local climate solutions. And why now? There's never been such a defining crisis of our time, and it's happening even more quickly than we feared. Yet in the global south, there's so little conversation in boardrooms or elsewhere about what climate change means at a local level. At a personal level, the decision to move to climate finance after a long career in leadership positions is motivated by two things. First, I always love a challenge, but more importantly, given the agricultural base in this part of the world, I genuinely worry about the future in a world that could mean crops that have thrived for centuries are struggling to survive, making livelihoods more precarious. And of course, the people who also feel it the most are the poor and the vulnerable, which can then directly feed into political unrest and violence. The even more scarier fact is that they say 90% of disasters are now classed as weather and climate related, which has a huge cost every year, with estimates of up to 26 million people pushed into poverty as a result. The only way to try and change this narrative is a full-scale transformation across all aspects of society. This means how we farm needs to change. How we manufacture has to change, how we live will change, and even how we move from point A to point B. And that's going to require funding. So I guess this is really important to me because it affects me, my family, my friends, and my community. And I want to be able to do something about it. And Ingwa, what's your take on this question? Uh, Sustainable Links is a local uh, uh, platform presented by Janice, uh, myself and two other senior entrepreneurial and skilled women. We all have a track record in driving innovative finance solutions that support climate actions and gender equity. We are passionate about making a difference. Throughout our careers, we've come to realize that finance can leverage relationships 
It can lower or mitigate risks and it plays a catalytic role uh, to create impactful change. We have always worked to understand, explore and strategize how the private sector or private sector-led initiatives can contribute to international development, including combating climate change and gender empowerment. The initiative uh, we are setting up will deploy climate finance solutions at scale, whilst mainstreaming gender investment and accelerating the transition of middle market companies to a low carbon pathway. This means that we will provide sustainable uh, linked loans to middle market companies in emerging Africa. We will use technical assistance funds to support companies with climate and gender assessments. The sustainability linked loans provide an incentive to companies to transition towards net zero, as well as delivering on gender impact targets. This will ultimately protect livelihoods and sustain stable, productive jobs, exactly as what Janice was uh, referring to. Uh, we want to connect the global dialogue on climate and gender to local realities and contexts. And we will do our best to apply international best practice on climate and gender reporting to local companies. You asked, is it close to your heart? So why do we want to do this? Janice and I are based in Nairobi and have worked extensively in emerging markets. Climate change is real and we see the effects of it. For example, the rains are less predictable, causing extreme floodings or drought. This is threatening the lives of many people in East Africa. We read it in the newspaper every day. So scaling climate smart technologies that help balance supply and demand and improve inclusive food distribution can improve stability of climate vulnerable commodity markets and lessen the disproportionate impacts of high prices. And that affects women, ourselves, everybody. And this is why we want to set up sustainable links. So how will sustainable links implement gender smart climate finance opportunities? So the first gap we'd like to fill as Sustainable Links is what we've called the Middle Market Climate Finance Fund, which will provide climate finance with a holistic approach, addressing both mitigation and adaptation needs, essentially helping companies that are no longer SMEs in the strict sense, as that is, they've not really graduated to becoming large corporates, but at the same time, they're above the definition of SMEs in their respective countries. These companies have a critical role to play in the race to net zero. The pandemic was a reminder of the importance of having a thriving business ecosystem, and a lot of these companies would like to support are a source of stable, productive, and dignified jobs, yet these companies have a limited appreciation of both the climate opportunities or climate risks and vulnerabilities that they face as a result of climate change. In addition, we see an amazing opportunity to link climate to gender. This is only natural given the four founding members of Sustainable Links are all women. We think we should do our part to support and empower women as employees and or as business owners. There's still an opportunity for improvement in the credit gap for women-owned and women-run businesses as well. And this normally is because of financial barriers, for example, a lack of collateral. But there are also non-financial barriers like the social and the cultural norms underlying gender biases. Even by simply promoting diversity of thought, raising the visibility of success stories that can inspire others, we will be making a contribution. Gender equity is not only about counting women and men, and climate action is not only about counting emissions. It is an important first step, but a more important follow-up step is to work on behavioral and operational change 
to address underlying barriers that cause gender gaps and negative climate impacts. There is a growing climate crisis with significant underinvestments across developing Africa and Asia. This has been said to be a man-made problem with feminist and private sector-led solutions. The investments to meet uh, Paris Agreement goals and achieve net zero can't only come from the public sector. There is a need for private sector participation, in particular from small and medium companies whose role in long-term job creation and sustainable growth is significant. Women especially can drive this movement, as globally there are roughly 9.34 million formerly women-owned SMEs in over 140 countries. Studies are showing that female founders compared to their male counterparts face gender bias when raising capital or starting new initiatives. So can you tell us how we can break this bias and what have been your experiences in starting up Sustainable Linux? When it comes to fundraising, are we expecting a smooth ride? Not at all. We all know that there are much fewer women founders than men, and a lot of it is down to a number of things. First, societal expectations. Second, the all-too-common imposter syndrome that women often get. And then third, the challenge to balance our personal and professional lives. But I think the thing that often catches women is just the different starting point. Either we'll have less capital or we'll have smaller business networks. As women, we typically have shied away from networking opportunities, either due to family reasons or just wanting to be, quote-unquote, the good girl. So far... Given our experience, we've been really lucky and we've managed to make it through to the first round of the Luxembourg Climate Finance Accelerator as an eligible applicant, which was so validating in itself. We have some excellent mentors and very supportive cheerleaders and look forward to the next few months where we hope to be able to announce a few milestones and hopefully be some of the success stories that can inspire women further on. It's quite surprising that there's still bias because um, just to quote one uh, research article by IFC in 2019 already, they showed that PE and VC funds in emerging markets with gender balanced senior investment teams generated up to 20% higher returns compared with other funds. Additionally, portfolio companies with gender balanced leadership teams outperformed with valuation increases by as much as 25% compared to non-diverse teams. So the, the data speaks for itself. And I hope that in the future, we will collect more data to prove that bias is not necessary when it comes to uh, women-led businesses. And finally, we have Femke Smeets, partner at Total Impact Capital. Now, Femke, you've worked alongside a dedicated team that's setting up a new fund called Neala Venture, uh, which has a priority for gender lens investing. Can you tell us a bit about the fund and how it's going to impact women positively? The fund was actually originated a couple of years ago. Well, not well, in the early days of the COVID crisis, when we realized that many small and growing businesses, SGBs as we call them, were suffering and were almost going bankrupt because they had major liquidity issues because of the lockdowns. So we felt that that we needed to do something about them, about that. And as SMEs or SGBs as we call them, already disproportionately struggle to access financing. And this was sort of coming on top of all of that. We realized that we had to do something about it. And we, we saw that that as banks don't finance them, there are local capital providers, which are often led by women who really 
really understand the issues and the development challenges and the growth challenges, but also the opportunities of SMEs. So we realized that those were the ones that we needed to target because they understand uh, the real needs of SMEs. And as SMEs make up 90% of the economies of, of many African countries, and many of them are, are women-led, we felt like by targeting by really supporting local capital providers and providing them the financing they need, the capital they need, we're actually really helping women-led SMEs in the best way we can. And how does Niala and other companies you've worked with enable a gender focus in every investment and project? Well, we check the local capital providers that are in our pipeline on whether um, they meet the 2x criteria and also whether they have a gender policy in place. And we also look at their portfolio of businesses. So we, we do it directly. We check it directly and indirectly. And we don't, it's important to, to, to state, I think, that we don't reject the local intermediaries if they don't comply. Because otherwise, we simply wouldn't also have a, have a big enough pipeline to, for this fund. And we feel that we can achieve much more by working with local intermediaries and local capital providers in helping them meet those criteria going forward. So we, we do request all the uh, local capital providers in our pipeline to have a gender policy, to put a gender policy in place if they don't have them. And we can really help with that. Our technical assistance facility that is uh, uh, managed by the Collaborative for Frontier Finance, CFF, supports this as well. So we work, we assess them beforehand. And if they apply with the 2x uh, criteria, that's, of course, amazing. If they don't, we really work with the local capital providers in and making sure that they do in the next year or two years. Can you give me like a, a very short, quick explainer about what the, the 2x criteria is? Well, the 2x criteria are defi- the criteria defined by a group of uh, development finance institutions that really aim to improve gender equality in institutional investments and indirectly in economies, in emerging economies. So there are five criteria, basically. Um, one is on entrepreneurship, which means that 51%, the, the objective is that 51% uh, share should be women-owned. Uh, leadership, uh, share of women in senior management, which should ideally be above 30%. Uh, employment has very much to do with women in the workforce, which ideally should be 30 to 50% as well. And then there is much more related to the, the um, indirectly, the, the type of businesses that are performed, so the, the, the products or services offered, which has to do with are there products that are specifically targeted at women or that specifically benefit women? That, that's a criteria. That's the fourth criteria. And the fifth one is the percentage of the DFI loan that proceeds supporting businesses that meet these criteria. So it's also very much focused on development finance institutions themselves. And this way, the two X criteria aim to improve gender equality across the entire ecosystem. So starting at the SME level or at at the business level, all the way up uh, through the local intermediaries or local funds that are invested in by development finance institutions up to the development finance institutions themselves. So Femke, I have a statistic here saying that women-led enterprises in Africa struggle with only 11% of local capital providers raising funds over $5 million. What do you think is the root cause for this and how can it be overcome? That 11% is actually, that that comes from a research that's been conducted by uh, the Collaborative for Frontier Finance, supported by the Visa Foundation, which indeed had to do with only 
100, there were 130 intermediate, local intermediaries or funds, uh, local capital providers, as we, as we call them, surveyed. And 90% of them were women-owned. So that's the, the start of it, is that there are only a few that are women-owned. And only 11% of these women-owned were able to, to raise above 5 million. So it's, it's, it's actually quite uh, disturbing, the statistics. And of course, part of it is, is factual and part of it is, is also is, is subtle. Uh, I had the root cause of it. So there's a systemic bias in the system against women managers and businesses that provide products and services targeted to women consumers. But it's also about having, um, and it's not just about gender, it's, about, it's also about race, it's about intersectionality, having uh, homogenous people at the, uh, who are making decisions often white males, but it can also uh, be other homogenous groups, have a certain perspective when they take decisions. And, and the only way we can solve that is by making this much more heterogeneous, because otherwise it's never going to change. And I think that has very much to do with the root causes of, of, of having a narrow mind and a narrow focus, because, of, because it's the same group of people who have the same perspectives. Uh, so it's really about biases, right, that need to be changed. And they can only be changed if the percentage of women in boards, in management positions, in the workforce is increased, because that will change perspectives and will reduce these biases. Miala Venture really aims to do things differently, because we, we see that many, uh, how SMEs and SGBs, which are often women-led, are financed, is not through funds, because everyone is searching, right? Everyone is struggling to access financing. So often these local intermediaries, local capital providers find creative solutions to that. So they find creative ways of financing these uh, uh, SMEs. So for example, they, they're more like warehousing facilities than they are funds. So they can work with re revenue sharing options, for example, and, and not just debt structures. And that's really the aim of Niala Venture to look at how we can work with the structures, the alternative structures that intermediaries who know best and also know how to work with the challenges and the barriers that are existent in, in the financial markets in the countries you work in. Our aim is really to work with them and finance them in the way that actually supports their way of doing business instead of tells them to do it in the way that it's always been done. And through that, we really want to show that it is possible to invest in local, uh, local capital providers through these alternative structures and that, that they're actually quite an investable asset class. So that's apart from us wanting to directly invest in, in local capital providers and SMEs, we really want to show the market that things should be done differently and things can be done differently. So what are our guests' hopes for this International Women's Day? Let's start with Janice. I guess my hope for women on International Women's Day is that they be bold. The pandemic made us all realize how short life is and how important it is to remain authentic and make a difference in this world. So my message to all the people out there, especially women, life is short. If you have a dream, make it a goal. And my hope for women around the world is that all women will push each other to where they would like to get to. If that means we support a young professional to climb the professional ladder somewhere in Europe, Africa or Asia, then we do that. And if it means we support a young bright girl to access high level technical education and make it to university, then we also support that. And more, more locally in Africa, if we can support women to have land ownership rights, that's something we should be striving for. 
But in the end, I suppose my hope would be that every woman and girl has the freedom to choose to make their own decisions, which lead them to where they would like to get to and realize the dreams that they have. To me, gender lens investing uh, plays an important role in shaping the world that I want to live in um, and also the world that I want future generations, including my daughter, to inherit. And I think that what's important to me is that we recognize the opportunity that the economy and that investments can play in, as a force for good in shaping a world that is more equitable um, and creates opportunity for all people, uh, not just men and boys, but also women and girls. And fundamentally, what I hope um, for women uh, on International Women's Day is that we can see this as a milestone on a steady kind of wave of progress towards advancing a more equitable world. What I hope for men and women around the world is to change the way decisions are made, change the way groups are composed to much more heterogeneous perspectives, which will enable every specific group, whether it's a man or a woman, or and also of different races, all these, these different perspectives to be able to absorb other perspectives and, and that way enrich their vision. And that, that is what I wish for everyone because that's, that's the only way that we can really change the way this business is run. And I think the two X criteria are a great starting point because that will allow, if everyone really sticks to, to meeting these criteria, that will be the, the trigger, the flying wheel, if you will, that will enable this change. Thanks to Amit, Janice, Ingwal and Femka for joining us for this special edition of the podcast celebrating International Women's Day. I'm Ali Yu. And I'm Oli Giyu. Please like us and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit our website for loads of extra content and information. That's cardanodevelopment.com slash insights. Bye for now and we'll see you next time.